I'm Cody Bonds, and this is Talk to Plank. This is a Locker Room Production. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk to Plank, episode 21. Two episodes in one day. Of course, this is a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch, and I'm joined alongside my partner in crime here, Jake Slobodnik. Jake, how is it going? It's going well, man. I'm excited for this show. And if I see it correctly, he's actually in our special guest is in the waiting room right now. Oh, there we go. He joined our speaker's lobby. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Pirates pitcher Cody Ponce to the show. He's going to talk some bucko baseball and his life all together with us. Cody, thanks for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Doing fine so far. You know, doing well. Thank you for joining. Absolutely. Well, uh, Cody, uh, the big thing here is, well, to provide a little bit of background to our audience right now, uh, right now you've uh, made an appearance in Pittsburgh so far, and you're down in AAA today. You guys came off, actually, a really hard-fought win today, didn't you? Yesterday and today. Actually, yesterday. We've just, on our Sunday day game, we got rained out against clubs. Give me one sec. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're good. Can you hear me still? Yep. You still hear me? All right, perfect. I had to put my AirPods yep. in, make it a little easier. Um, yeah, so we got rained out today. Uh, and then, but it was a good hard fought win last night, Saturday night. Uh, the boys came back and won it in the bottom of the eighth. And then uh, Gustave came and closed the door for us. That's good to hear. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't, uh, didn't you pitch yesterday during the game? I did. I started the. I started the. I did start the game on set. Yes. All right. I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. Um, well, Cody. Uh, first thing I want to definitely dive into is where did you plant your roots for baseball? How did you get started? Where did the foundation for your passion in baseball really start? How did you get involved with it? I think we're losing them. Are you losing me? Uh, we did Hold for on. a second, but I think you're back now. Am I back? Am I good? Yeah, you're good now. You're good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm driving. We are driving to uh, Nashville as we speak. Um, most, most of our childhood stories, it all begins with some type of the sports. Uh, for me, it was great. Then I fell in love with the game of baseball. Cody, you still there? Uh, I, I am. Are you guys still losing me? Kinda. It's like in and out. So. Let me see. Hold on. Let's try this. Yeah. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. That's better. I was on Wi-Fi. That's what happened. I was connected to a random Wi-Fi. I hate that to be honest <laughs> when you're driving especially it just connects to things yeah I, I feel that for sure yeah so as i was saying you know our as most of us we all grew up loving the game of baseball i actually grew up my dad didn't let me just play baseball he 
he made sure that I had the opportunity to fall in love with any other sport that I may have wanted to, whether it be soccer, football, basketball, even uh, And then, as I got older, got into high school, my junior year came around, and I was either going to be sitting on the bench playing football or sit on the bench playing baseball. And I said, you know what, I'd rather sit on the bench play baseball and start every five days. And, well, back then it was every seven once a week. But I gave up uh, football, and I just pursued my true love of baseball after uh, starting my junior year. All right. I always, hey, we always got a good story, and I'm, I think we all can say that we're glad that you chose the baseball route instead of football. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fun to see if I could, you know, play with Big Ben, which would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, who influenced you the most to get into baseball? I know you mentioned your dad a little bit, but was there anybody else? And uh, going along with that, it's sort of a two-parter, uh, along with role models. Uh, who were sort of your inspirations growing up, maybe uh, major leaguers that you watched growing up or maybe just outside influences of the family? Yeah, um, my entire family was very supportive. So I can't really say one person really pushed me to do it. Um, nobody in my family, my dad, my mom, never really pushed me to go to the gym. It was all on my own. It was always, if you want to do it, you can do it. We're not going to force you to do anything. So it was all pretty much done by myself and all the all the hard work and dedication was put in, but I couldn't have done it without them taking me to all the practices that I was like, hey, we got to leave. And back in the day, which I don't know if kids will now know nowadays, you had to go on maps.com and print out the maps and the directions <laughs> um, on pieces of paper instead of looking at your telephone and being able to know where you're going all the time. So I would, my dad would say, okay, well, if we're going to this tournament, you're telling me how to get there. And I would print out the sheet and sit in the front seat with him at five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning and make sure I was awake. Because if not, I would get in trouble because I wasn't telling him which exit to get on and which exit to get off on. Um, but some other people who really had a big influence, obviously growing up in California, you have so many of these, you know, you have the Dodgers and you have the Angels and you have these two teams that everybody can kind of pick and choose from. The Padres were great, but for where I was from, they were a little bit too far away. I fell in love with the Dodgers mainly. And Eric Gagne was definitely one of those people who I fell in love with um, as a child, just seeing his competitive nature when he was on the bump all the time and how, how he was a bulldog. Very cool, Cody. So you said um, you didn't start until your junior year of high school, that is. So was it kind of like a, a grind always whenever you were coming up? And um, like like some professional athletes, like they're they're born and gifted and amazing and everything. But like I, I do love the good old hard work story of like, you know, you come up and <laughs> and you, you I mean, it's awesome to, to see the quote-unquote grinders that's that's an overused words but a word but uh i do i think that's cool yeah so obviously i played baseball still throughout my entire childhood it was along right. with other sports and then i chose baseball 
um, over football in high school. Um, and yeah, you can say I kind of have a grinder story if you want to go about that. My senior year, the beginning of it, I didn't have any offers until probably the last month. Honestly, going into my senior year, I didn't think I was going to play baseball ever again. I thought I was done. And also the guy who recruited me gave me the opportunity to come play Division II baseball for them, at, uh, which was 10, 15 minutes down the street from my house that I lived at with my parents. So it made everything a lot easier. Went there. Um, my freshman year, they told me I wasn't going to get that many opportunities. We had some injuries, and those opportunities turned into pretty much a position that put me in a good spot for my sophomore year, which was as a closer role. So I was closing for the first half of my freshman year. And then a starter went down. Our Sunday starter went down um, with some, I think he had, I want to say it was a shoulder issue. So I was closing Fridays and starting Sundays, which was my role. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was, it was a really crazy ride. And I look back at it and I'm like, wow, I can, I love both. Everybody asked me, I've done the pen roll. I've done, I'm a starter now. I, I've come out of the pen with my debut and everybody goes, which one do you love more? And I, it's honestly, it's so tough because as a starter, you get to set the tone for the entire game. But yet coming in from that bullpen, it, as I'm speaking right now, it gives me these chills in my body mm. because of all the adrenaline rush that you get and you hear the fans cheering and you're ready to go and, and it, it really just brings a different side of you out. So that was a great opportunity that I was given to be able to keep playing the game of baseball. So if it wasn't for Brett Latchman, who knows what would be going on right now and where I'd be. Right, right. Well, sort of a good segue. You talk about your debut and just the chills that went down your back. Well, let's send a little bit more chills down your back. This, like, What was your debut like? It must have been sort of breathtaking and almost an out-of-body experience. But I want to hear from your perspective. Take us through your debut, the emotions, the feeling, the feeling on the field, just everything. Oh, okay. Um, well, you're going to have to know a little backstory here real quick. Right. Ben. In, uh, in 2016, I was 2015, I was drafted by the Brewers. In 2016, it was my first full year of Pro Bowl. Opening day, uh, I went down a, earlier that week with uh, some elbow tendonitis. And um, I got a phone call on opening day right after the game from my father. My mother just got diagnosed and was in surgery for, uh, it's called glioblastoma. It's a, it's a brain cancer. So oh. my mom had stage four brain cancer in 2016 and 2017. And uh, they gave her, obviously, they always tell you the worst numbers right after surgery. They gave her eight days and she made it over a year. Um, she passed away on December 1st of 2017. So going back to that debut now, um, I was on the taxi squad, actually, with the team in Chicago at Wrigley Field. Well, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I was told from Oscar, our pitching coach, hey, Skip needs to see you. And it kind of was just like, you kind of know what's going on. You're you're aware of what's going on in the clubhouse and who's doing what and what the opportunities are, you know, that are necessary. So he comes in and he goes, Hey, uh, I want to welcome you to the big leagues. 
shakes my hand and I break down in tears just due to the fact that the one person who was there by my side for 23 years, uh, I wasn't able to give a phone call to, but I was able to still talk to her and let her know. And obviously she was there with me to congratulate me. So I got to sit in, which was crazy because obviously last year was COVID and nobody was in the stands. So I was sitting in the, in the stands calling all of my family members and loved ones, telling them, uh, obviously I've been activated for the night and I can make my possible debut. And we get a rain delay, I believe in the seventh or eighth. And we end up going into extra innings. I was, I don't believe I was the very first, but I definitely was one of the first people to have to pitch in the new extra innings rule. Mm. where a guy starts on second base. So my debut started off with Anthony Rizzo in the box and Wilson, Wilson Contreras, sorry, Wilson Contreras at second. I got Anthony Rizzo to pop up on, I'm pretty sure it was a cutter up and in to right field. And that was an, in a sense of fresher breath air. And then I looked at who was coming up and it was Javi Baez. And, you know, as we play this game, you put these people on pedestals and you know what they do and, and their track record and everything. I ended up throwing a cutter that kind of spun over the middle and I gave up the winning hit and a walk off to Javi Baez in my major league debut. But to be able to make my debut with the Pirates who were the team who traded for me who gave me another opportunity to continue this dream that I have and to continue on this road and this path that they put me on is just a blessing in itself. Oh, definitely. Wow. Yeah, wow. that's such. Go ahead, Nate. Uh, no, yeah, that's, that's a tremendous story. Sorry for your loss. Yeah, it's definitely a story of... Um, rough roads and ultimate triumph because you, I mean, your major debut, you got Anthony Rizzo, who undoubtedly is one of the best hitters in the league. You got him out. And that in of itself is a huge accomplishment, especially for, you know, somebody new to the squad. And that that ultimately really just shows that you as a pitcher, um, it, it shows a lot of promise that you can bring to the table for the Pirates in the coming years. Because honestly, I see it, and I think Nate does as well. I think we're going to see you in the major leagues for years to come with the Pirates because with this whole rebuild they got going on, they have they brought in talent that they know has promise for the years to come, and you're definitely one of them. So that's another thing I want to touch on is the state of the Pirates itself, obviously not winning as many games as we'd like, but they are definitely on a strong rebuild. Um, take us through what you see from the organization during their rebuild and how – and sort of take us through a player's mindset of what we, the fans, should expect from the Pirates going forward. Well, it's, it's, it's a very, obviously, tough question for me to answer. And the best way I can do it, obviously, because I'm new to this whole system, I was traded for in 2019, just before this whole pandemic hit last year. Uh, it's very tough. You know, I've seen so many promising arms, um, bats, uh, in the, during spring training this year, it was amazing to see it. 
must be going through a dead spot with signal. Cody, you still there? It was just amazing to see, and everybody's bats. Obviously, we have Key Brian, Will, uh, Will Craig, Will Crow, who's still young, who's been who's up there with us. We have uh, Mitch Keller. You know, it's there's so many promising arms and bats that are still down here, progressively getting better. Uh, it's just amazing to see. Right, um, Nate, did you have something? Yeah, I was just going to ask you. Um, I'm, I always wonder this because you're in AAA right now. We fully expect you to be uh, called up at some point, probably soon. Um, what What would you say is the biggest? I mean, this is kind of like a asked often question, but like, what's the biggest difference in the leap from AAA? Like, what is it? Is it like obviously hitters are better, but is it their ability to like punish mistakes? Do they like obviously they have a better eye? But like, what's the biggest adjustment? Uh, and difference of, of leaping to uh, the MLB. Yeah, that's actually a funny thing because I have this conversation with a lot of people. They're like, "Well, well what's the difference?" Like, you're, you're, everybody they say AAA is like pretty much the big leagues in itself. And I say, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, you have guys going up and down all the time. You have you had a guy like Oscar Marin last night who I was facing. Uh, who's got over 200 games in the big leagues. Like, there's guys who have time, absolutely. Uh, but the biggest difference between the guys who have been solidified as the, uh, I'm going to say this and I'm going to laugh as I say this, to the John Peterson, the Anthony Rizzo's, mm. the Chris Bryant's, the Mike Trout's, the Albert Pujols's, they've solidified and shown that, hey, this is my plan. This is what I do when I get up and stand in that box. This is my. This is how I'm looking for the ball. They have a plan, and when they step into that box, there's no, there's no making them diverge away from that plan. They have everything planned out already. And as even as a young pitcher as myself, we like going up and down. There's a plan that I have going into the game. Yet there's still sometimes where I start to see myself getting away from that. Whereas guys like Garrett Cole will go up there and be able to stick and stick with his plan that he has from the very beginning of the game all the way through until his last pitch. So that's, I want to say, is one of the biggest things is everybody has a plan when, whether they're towing the rubber or stepping in the box, everybody's plan is their own and they don't stray away from that. And the other biggest thing is just the strike zone in itself. Hmm. You know, down here, the umpires are they're working their way up there. And um, they, might, they might give you a ball. You know, sometimes they might give you a strike that's actually a ball. And then you go up to the big leagues and it's like, hey, listen, that's not a ball at all. Dude. And, and what's funny is it's just due to the fact that I'm a, like, I'm a rookie. Like, I don't have a solidified, hey, okay, yeah. you have your time. And it's it's. It's still a very old-school game in that sense. It's, hey, he's got 10 years in the big leagues. Adam Rainwright's going to get those a ball off every single time. Not every single time, but, like, when it's a close call, he's going to get that one. Whereas, right. for me, there's no 
so there's those games, and that's what we were talking about the other night on the bench. It's like you look at what they want to do with the game, and they want to put robot umpires, obviously, behind the dish. And everybody argues pitchers are going to hate it, hitters are going to hate it. Um, we're all going to hate it because that's one of the best parts about the game is the human aspect. It's it's the game was inside of the game. It's me having to pitch the umpire strike zone and the hitter having to know where that umpire strike zone is. So it, it yeah. yeah, it's a fun game and it's it's obviously growing at the same time. Yeah, and I with I mean, completely. Oh, oh, go ahead, Jake. Sorry, I was going to say it's probably better that. I mean, you mentioned the human aspect about umpiring and how, you know, we, we as viewers look at it and, you know, the first thing on our minds is robot umps, but you mentioned a great, a great topic in that human error. And the one thing I want to say is at least not every game is umpired by Joe West or Angel Hernandez where you have that strike zone that could be head to toe and you know, all that other sort of thing. Sorry, I lost you guys there. I was, we're going over, we were going through a tunnel. Oh, you're good. I was going to say that was a great point you made up about um, about the human aspect sort of thing. You know, the the here and there strikes that you may get on the corners, something like that. Or, you know, they may give one to maybe like a veteran like Adam Wainwright. But I think we all can agree that at least it's probably good that Angel Hernandez or Joe West isn't behind the plate every single game. Right. I cannot say yes or no. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but I can say that, you know what, Adam Wainwright. Kershaw, all of, all of these guys have definitely earned those strikes being called for them after putting in all the years that they have and the success that they've had and just the entire repertoire that they have is amazing. So yeah, we kind of robot umps probably are like the strike zone is probably coming which I, I agree with you Cody that uh, I enjoy different strike zones and kind of like like you said the human aspect i i think it's kind of a charming wrinkle to the game but there's other changes kind of being discussed as well like for example i i kind of want to get your opinion on um a lot a lot of talk they've had this year is of potentially moving the mound back uh a foot or so i think they're experimenting with it in the atlantic league second half of the season just because you know pitchers have been extremely dominant and um Strikeouts are up, obviously. Swings and misses are up. How would you feel if they actually did move the mound back? I mean, you've pitched 60 uh, and 6 inches for your whole life, and, like, that would be a pretty crazy change. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's – it's almost like you guys were sitting in our clubhouse two days ago when we were having all these conversations. <laughs> that's What's funny. really crazy is, like, yeah – you got so used to 60 feet and 6 inches. Now we're in a whole nother start a little higher. That where just the projecting plane of everything, velos are going to go down in a sense, mm. right? You're moving a whole foot back. Right. Hitters are going to have more time to see the ball, more time to react. Even though it already is a, less than a blink of an eye, but it's still like, People are still turning around 100 miles an hour like nobody's pro- like nobody's business. Yeah. And I understand the strikeouts are up. I understand also the homers are up. You yeah. know, it's there's a lot more. Give, 
and I said this the other night and when they interview it was it's a cat and mouse game it is a Tom and Jerry thing where we have started to understand how hitters swing and that now we know how to make all the balls start in the same position and tunnel correctly so that way every pitch looks the same rather than just throwing every single time throwing a baseball down and a fastball down then when you throw that curveball, it starts a little higher, and now everybody knows. Now we're living at the top of the strike zone, allowing that curveball and the fastball to look the same out of our hands. Yeah. Because obviously in the last five years, if you guys have noticed, everybody's swings have gotten a little bit more loopy. Not in a bad sense, but like they're able to get to that ball down now. So now everybody went started to throw up, and they realized, all the new technology that everything actually plays sometimes for better people better when it's fastballs are thrown up it looks like your curveball and it looks like your changeup especially for somebody like Lucas Giolito yeah so you wouldn't want it to move back then no I would not yeah that's fair um yeah, yeah um Cody one of the things that we're seeing is that there's a lot more I guess positive vibes to for lack of a better term with the return of fans and since you pitched both with fans and without fans last year due to the pandemic uh can you talk a little bit about how much that aspect sort of has has an effect on you as a pitcher or just on the clubhouse yeah so obviously I've only been up there for a day um and that in in Pittsburgh's clubhouse but for us down here it's, it's amazing um, for one, having fans there when I pitched against the Cubs uh, in Pittsburgh, I was able to have my family out there for the first time. So my dad, his girlfriend, and my grandmother all got to fly out and see me pitch in the big leagues for the first time. Now, that was very, very special to me. And obviously very grateful again for the Pirates for the opportunity. But being down here now, Having the fans in the stands, hearing the cheers, hearing the oohs, the ahs, the boos, the trash talk coming from an opposing team, team's uh, fan base, obviously, it's great. It's, uh, it makes you feel like you're at a ball game again. Hearing the concession guys yell, who wants a hot dog? Or hmm. in some cases, some of us want a cold beer, and, and it's kind of, we're kind of jealous that the fans get them. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's great to have all the, the sounds of the ballpark back. Good. That's good to hear. I kind of figured, but I just wanted to get the feel since I'm not on the ball field and you are. I wanted to see how it was through your eyes. Um, Cody, we talk a lot about what what it's like on and off the field um, as a pitcher, but you as a person, we kind of want to get to know a little bit more. And I'll start it off with this. I noticed that you are a big connoisseur of coffee. Now, uh, <laughs> um, is there like a certain... Uh, backstory to that, how it got you, how you got uh, into the coffee scene, or I know you've done a few. Uh, it was, a, I think, it was podcast episodes surrounding coffee, or uh, I know, I know you post about it quite often. Um, what's that? What's that uh, favorite sort of a drink of choice, if you will? Uh, what's your? Where's your passion from coffee? So passion for coffee. I'm glad. Well, I'm, this is funny. We got to this. <laughs> so in twenty. 20- 18, I was living with a roommate of mine. Um, you may have heard of him. He's also pretty much a brother. His name's Josh Hader. 
Um, I was living at his house, and I always go to Starbucks every morning on the way to the ball field. And I would always order a Starbucks, and I'd get mine. And one day, his fiance at the time asked, asked me, "Hey, Cody, can you you want to try this and tell me what you think about it?" So I did like I did a little taste test review, and she thought it was funny. So like I did another one of a personal drink, and I put it on uh, social media. And a bunch of my buddies and teammates were like, dude, you got to review mine and tell me what you think. Now, it's all fun and games until you actually get a coffee connoisseur as well, such as Josh Bridges and James Italian and Joe Musgrove. And they're like, hey, so what do you think about this? Can you, can you? Now, I've been tasting mixed drinks at Starbucks, not straight black coffee. So I got up there and they're like, hey, can you really can you smell the herbs and can you get the blackberries and the caramel and I'm like uh, 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 guys I'm not here yet I'm, I'm working I'm working on it I'm sorry but I'm, I'm just a Starbucks review guy um, but yeah we uh, they really got me into the coffee scene I still do it every once in a while I have I have a little uh, a hidden page somewhere out there where I post my coffee reviews still nice um,
my 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 little key logo, my one little one liner is. And thanks, to, I have to shout out Trevor Williams. Thank you very much for this because he helped me fix it. It was one sip, you know, it was one sip review. Everybody knows rules. Kind yeah. of a flash of a trademark from Mr. Portnoy. Yeah. Now, thanks to Trevor, he's like, dude, you should try to like make your own little twist. And I was like, all right, maybe like, uh, and it stuck. It's one sip review just for you. All right. So that's, I, that's my little one liner. I get to use that every time I feel like making one you know what and you guys are as we head to nashville i might have to do and put one up on my instagram it's been a long time since i've done one so heck yeah maybe i'll do it just for the boys so what about uh what about dunkin donuts you like their coffee because i myself i have to admit that uh i drink dunkin just about every day same okay so here's the thing let's let's just put this all out on the table real quick (laughs) Ever, there's Starbucks coffee everywhere. There's Dunkin' Donuts only in the Northeast, pretty much. Really? So, I mean, I would say more East Coast, yeah, Midwest, East. Um, there's maybe one or two in California, if I could be wrong on that, though. Could be maybe more, maybe less. Um, and Dutch Brothers. Everybody goes to Dutch Bros. Have you guys heard of that? I have not. I have not. So it's super, super sugary. It's out in my books, but it's still good. But hey, if you're if you're if you're looking for a sweet tooth and you want a couple cavities, go to Dutch Brothers. <laughs> well, it's good that I'm more of a um, more of a creamer with a shot of coffee sort of guy. <laughs> okay, so you like you like your coffee with a splash of cream. I respect that. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh boy, I can't. We just had like a five minute conversation about coffee. That's awesome. I'm glad we. I'm glad we talked hey, about that. I can yeah. help you with anything that you need. If you want some good ones, go to GoodDudes.com and get the Roosevelt blend. Unbelievable, mm. super super smooth. There's no bitterness to it. It's probably my number one go to coffee. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. My go to drink. This might be disgusting to most people, but I will get an iced black coffee. I don't even care. I call no, it Jack. I love I it. Agree with you. Yeah, um, not really the same here on my end. I'm more of a iced caramel coffee with extra caramel. Like I, I, I am the one with the sweet tooth, and unfortunately, uh, so. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's like my go-to drink. But it's it. it it's one of those things where, you know, it's just one of those personality things. If you're in for it, then, you know, it's unfortunate that it is probably filled with so much sugar. But still, like, I just, black coffee to me, it's 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 not bad. It's just I couldn't drink that on a daily basis. I, I hate to. So it's more so, it's not that you can't. It's the fact that, not the fact, but if you want to start getting to that, you just take out, you say, hey, I'll take you know, two less pumps of sugar in a day. And then yeah. you do that for a week. And then you just take out another pump of sugar. And you work right. your way down to where you can actually start tasting, like, gosh, I know what you're talking about. You're like, you're, uh, you're like a iced caramel macchiato guy. Like, yeah. trust me, I love me a good caramel macchiato. Like, love it. Sure. I had it the other day. It's unbelievable. Um, it's my definitely my go-to sugar, like, one of my go-tos, unless the Irish cream cold foam cold brews out, um, that's probably the best sugar cheese I have. 
that they don't make that anymore. But uh, no, yeah, I mean, everybody likes her coffee different. My mom would always say she likes her coffee with French vanilla creamer, and she didn't like she didn't like have her co- she didn't have creamer with the coffee. She had coffee with her creamer. So. Okay. All right, well, I will try that. Might maybe tomorrow yeah. when I'm on my way to work. Absolutely. Um, um, but go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would just say coffee and, and uh, another off-field thing that I love to do is golf. So those are my go two go-to things. What's your oh. handicap? Whoa! Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, wow! It depends. Um, do I have swing juice in me or not? Um, do I have aiming fluid? Do I have aiming fluid or no? Hmm. Whichever one gives you the better score. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Helps. Uh, I think I'm probably right now. I'm probably around an 11. Haven't played much this year. During uh, the alternative site, we were playing a little bit uh, with. I've been playing with Chase DeYoung and Kevin Kramer, two great golfers. So, but it's a good time. It's just it's another thing that helps kill the time during the off season, where it's all right. Let's go golfing, or like we come down here to Nashville and we have an off day. It's like you know what? Hey, we have an off day. You guys want to go golfing? And you know, there's five or six of us on the team that like to golf, and we go out there and have some fun and enjoy it. I mean, kind of to get away for our brains. That's good. That is fun. Who would you say is the best golfer in the organization? Is it you? No, if you want the worst, then you say me. Uh, <laughs> that's very close. Chase DeYoung is really good. Uh, his grand is not his grandfather. His father-in-law is on the senior tour. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah, one of the what I would say grandfathers are one of the. Uh, beginners of golf is his uh, father-in-law but Chase DeYoung's really good Kevin Kramer's really good uh actually our pitching coach Joel Hanrahan is really good he hits the ball a country mile oh I can I, only imagine and I am not exaggerating that at all oh my and I'll tell you what I'm about a 500 handicap so oh, but as long as you go out there and have some fun that's all that matters exactly crack a few right because that's what I'm there for yep Yep, absolutely. <laughs> that is the um, yeah. Um, Cody, one of the things that uh, we see a lot of on the Pirates, especially with golf, is fishing. Do you do any sort of fishing, or do you are you mainly with golf as your uh, off day experience? Just really just depends. If we're in Florida and I'm by the water, I have uh, love to go fishing. Just do some bass fishing. Obviously, in California, bass fishing isn't that great unless you're in Northern California. So sometimes during the off season, haven't done it in a long time, probably about five years, we'll go offshore fishing. Go try to catch some uh, some fish out there. And definitely want to get back into that. But, you know, with baseball and everything, it's just so tough to be able to say, hey, I'm going to take a three-day trip down to Mexico or, or uh, overnight trip down to Mexico and go, you know, fishing for some tuna or whatever it may be. Right. Right. Um, Nate, would now be a good time to open up any of the audience questions or do you have anything? Yeah, no. If anyone has anything to ask, they can hop up on here. 
here on Locker Room. Here, we got Garrett. He would like to come up and talk. Garrett, how's it going, man? Pretty good, Nathan. Pretty good, Jake. How are y'all? Not too bad. Um, So I'm not sure if y'all saw my uh, my comment in the chat because I heard uh, Cody say he's probably the worst golfer in the organization. Um, So I figured I'd kind of throw that one in there just to see if I, to see if he catch it. Um, Cody, um, I heard, um, heard you say that you, that you, that you, um, in college that you both started and you were, and you were a reliever. Um, I, I don't know what your president, I don't know if you're starting to come out the bullpen, but do, but, uh, cause like the ordinance, they may use you as both going forward, but do you prefer to start or do you prefer to come out the bullpen? Just if I'm, if I'm asking you, you know, man to man, obviously the organization probably has their own future for you, but. Do you prefer to start or do you prefer to come out the bullpen? Just as a question. Nah, that's tricky. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you can't answer, I don't want to get you in trouble with the organization, but I no, totally you won't. That. You won't. You won't. Trust me. It's, it's all good. Honestly, right now, wherever they need me, I would love to be able to help them continue getting wins and continue to help the team succeed, whether that is being as a starter or being coming out of the pen and being a long guy, if that's what they need. Obviously, because I am built up to five, six innings, 100 pitches, I'm able to get you those four or five innings if something happens early on in the game. Um, but personally, I love being a starter. I love being able to set the tone, go out there, uh, and just kind of set the tone, like I said, and, and help the team get to five, six innings, and then allow – because I know, as like I said – I know being in that bullpen, once you get to that sixth inning, it's like, all right, like, he got us through five. We can we can take care of these last four. Right. Very cool. Uh, uh, one more. It's a it's a it's a non baseball question. Um, I heard you say you're a big you're a big coffee person. I, I personally I I personally am not. It's only because like like for some reason like whenever I have coffee in one word like eat breakfast or not, it always messes with my stomach. So I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's just how my body is or whatever. I'm personally not a big coffee per- person, whether like whether it's I'm getting it from Starbucks or whatever. Yeah. Just like me and coffee, me and coffee like in the morning before I go to work. Yeah. It just doesn't sit well with my stomach. Now, of course, everybody's different, but of course, also I have to be at work like by between five, sometimes five and six, five and six thirty, five and six o'clock in the morning. So obviously my day is starting a lot earlier than most of y'all. So me drinking coffee that early in the morning, yeah, it doesn't sit well in my stomach. So that's why that's why I that's why I don't do coffee myself. Now obviously y'all day start later on in the day, but for me personally, I just can't do coffee in the morning. I just can't. Yeah, no, honestly, um, it's a funny thing. It's coffee is known as a natural diuretic. Uh, a lot of people like don't know that when they first get into drinking coffee, they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh man, I gotta pee!" And it's like, it's kind of like a trick for us. It's when we have drug tests and we have to pee, we're like, "All right, everybody, go get a cup of coffee." So mm-hmm. everybody will drink a cup of coffee, and boom, you just take <laughs> you got and you pee within the next ten, fifteen minutes. Like, it's all right. So that could also be a thing. Like you, maybe your stomach isn't, you know meant to drink coffee and i know a lot of people who don't like drinking coffee in the morning they'll drink water and they'll drink coffee later in the afternoon just yeah. when their stomach's a little bit more settled down yeah i think i think that's what it, i think that's what it may be with me i think i may have to like if i'm gonna have if i'm gonna have a cup of coffee it may have to be like later on in the afternoon instead of like 
like early in the morning when I when I'm on the work. So I may I may definitely consider that uh, going forward and see if that uh, see if that uh, works for me better instead of, instead of trying to drink it first thing in the morning. Absolutely. Very cool. Thank you, Garrett. Uh, thanks for coming up, Cody. I got one last like baseball question for you, like like serious baseball. What what are your thoughts on like the whole pitcher substance? type deal. I know MLB is their plan is to crack down on it and obviously some some sticky stuff definitely helps with spin and whatnot, but like obviously I don't want you to uh, rat yourself or anyone else, but just in general in the game, what are your thoughts on quote unquote foreign substances? Very tricky question. It is it is it is and tricky. I'm, and, and I, and I got and I gotta think about it because the way I word it it can come off wrong. So because everything that's happening right now it's obviously a big topic in every clubhouse because there isn't a guy there are, I would say about ninety percent of everybody in the big leagues in professional baseball, and I'm sure in college because I've been seeing it while I'm watching it on TV, everybody go to a spot on their hat or a belt or whatever it is. And you get so used to throwing with a substance on your fingers, right? Yeah. That when somebody such as Garrett Cole, Aaron Hicks, Jacob DeGrom, and I don't know if any of these guys use anything. And I know some people that I know use something and I know some people in college told me that hey if I don't have this on my fingers I don't have control over it due to the fact that the last X amount of years that they've been using it it's allowed them to be able to control the baseball better now because baseball is we call them pro V1s because they bounce off of a bat like a golf ball because they're Mm. so slick and they're so hard that there is no more seams anymore, really, on a big league baseball. And you guys have probably felt the difference between a big league ball and a minor league ball. Like, there's a big difference where the seams are a little bit higher on a minor league ball than they are in a big league ball. They're also also rubbed up differently. They're also made from a different manufacturer, still from the MLB, but different, different sites. And these baseballs are pretty, very, very slick. So I think what's going to happen is is I don't know if somebody or who is or what's going on, but uh, I have heard that people in the minor leagues have already got suspended for 10 games um, or whatever that may be. I do see the MLB and the union coming together to hopefully say, all right, well, listen to this. If we allow you to use a certain substance, can we? That makes any sense? Because we're allowed to use rosin, obviously. Yeah. Rosin and sweat. Yeah, unfortunately, the old spitball doesn't work too much anymore. <laughs> um, I think we lost. Did we lose Cody? Or is he still there? Cody, you still there? Yeah, I think he's he's uh he's in and out right now. I think the signal's a little off. 
Hopefully yeah, we those, get back in a second. Yeah, for those that are uh, tuned in here on Locker Room, Cody's actually on his way to Nashville. Um, he's prepping for the next series for the Indianapolis Indians, so he's on the road right now. Um, so if he can air us, Cody, you still there? I am. I'm losing you guys. We are driving through the middle of the of the Smoky Mountains right now. Oh, okay. Um, we got back right now. There we go. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I think that it's just going to figure out a way on how they're going to police everything. That's what they're going to have to do. Yep. Uh, we got Howard. He wants to join here. And, Doc, Howard, uh, how's, it, how's it going? What's up, y'all? Not much, man. What's up? Yeah, just got a question for Cody. Like, isn't, like, the most common – somewhat substance that's technically legal is basically mixing rosin with sunscreen? Yep. I think that's where I lost you guys. Uh, that's what I was saying. It's pretty... It's been in the game for so many years now. It's sunscreen and rosin and it's like, how do you police it? When it's a sunny day outside and you put rosin on your wherever it may be, like, you, it's going to be very tough for them to I'm really excited and interested and intrigued on how they're going to police this whole thing. Because the thing is, you can't just ban sunscreen. I mean, if you ban sunscreen, athletes going to be out there looking like complete burnt lobsters out there. So <laughs> it's basically because like, you see how people are just like, one, one thing I've seen is guys putting rosin all over their arms and stuff. It's like, okay, that might be a little excessive. They could possibly police that. So... Yeah, so the other thing rosin is used for um, is to help you stop sweating. So guys playing down south in Georgia and Florida, it's very hot and humid, right? So it also helps clog, in a sense, clog those pores and allows those sweat drops to not uh, really get onto the baseball and make the baseball even slippier than it is. Super humid down here. Super humid. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Lord. Yeah, Howard, thanks so much for your question, man. Good to have you on. Um, Nathan, we got anybody else who wants to ask a question? Or? Uh, I don't think I don't see anything else in the comments right now. Um, okay. What else you got, Jake? Let me see. Let me, let me sift through my notes here. See what I, else we to talk about. I want to say that we had everything. Yeah. All the talking points. Um. This is a dumb question, but I was I wanted to ask it. So hypothetically, let's say me, I um, played a little high school baseball. I played a little club in college. I was wondering, and I have a number in my head. If you if you pitch to me, how many times in a row do you think you would strike me out? And I'll tell you my number. <laughs> how many times in a row? Yeah, how many times in a row? So what? As <laughs> many times, I mean, yeah, I guess until maybe I make contact or am, am able to draw a walk or something. Yeah, that that's the that's the stipulation. Okay, so are we going drawing a walk or are we going? Um, Actually, no. We're just say, we're just say until I put the ball in play. I play beer league softball right now. That's all I got. So I lost it. Sorry. I was gonna say until I put the ball in play, how many times in a row? We don't have screw the walk. Just just put the ball in play, and I'll tell you my number after. I was say, my walk my walk to strikeout ratio, let alone my 
walk ratio is kind of low in my total innings. Um, out of, I'll give you out of five ABs, I said punch you five times. Oh, 1,000%. I was going to say, so my math was, all right, you're probably going to strike me out on three pitches just about every single time. So if you do that, I would say, I don't know, you'd probably start getting a little tired maybe at 150 pitches or so. So I would say oh. about <laughs> about 50 times in a row, I think you would strike me out. That's my That's my answer. 150 pitches. I don't think I've ever even seen that many pitches in a ball game thrown by somebody. <laughs> Going See, back to the early 1900s for that. You would eventually tire out a little bit. So 50 yeah. times in a row. And then I'd I, say, I would make the slightest of contact. Anything's possible. It's the game of baseball. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got Howard again. Howard, what's up? Howard, wait. Sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll um, about the 150 pitches thing. Believe it or not, I can't do that. This happened when I was in high school. A dude literally pitched. He threw at least 185 pitches in 10 innings. That is uh, that's borderline criminal. I would. Yeah. Oh, oh no no. <laughs> here's the here's the craziest thing. Here's the craziest thing. That happened his junior year. His senior year. He ended up doing it again, except instead of 10 innings, it was nine and one third. And then his grandfather came in and forced the coach to take him out of the game, saying, you don't care about my son's future. You're about to throw his arm out. That's crazy. That's crazy. I would, too. Yeah, I, would. I think anybody would, honestly. That's but, funny. Yeah, that really is. Um, yeah. Well, that, that was it. Is that it, gentlemen? I think that yeah. was it for Howard. So if there's nobody else, I think we're I think it's a good spot to wrap things up. Cody, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's been a fantastic conversation. Talking about coffee, talking about baseball, talking about the box overall. Thank you so much again for coming on. We were glad to have you today. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to come on. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, no problem, man. And next you time you're in Pittsburgh, great, I'll have a great week and I will and yes, next time in Pittsburgh, I will definitely, we got to definitely meet up. Yeah, definitely, man. Sure. I'll reach out to you. I can't wait to see you up in Pittsburgh. It, it'll be great. Thank you, gentlemen. You guys have a great day, evening, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank awesome. you, too, man. Take care. All right, that'll do, it. that'll do it for us. Talk to Plank, episode 21. Jake, thank you, as always. I had a good time talking to Cody. Oh, me too, man. That was honestly, that was the problem I've done a lot of interviews and podcasts and honestly that was that ranks up there as one of my favorites honestly yeah that was fun for sure um maybe he'd strike me out 60 times in a row to be honest <laughs> he'd strike me out the first time and I'd never make contact ever so <laughs> exactly oh that's funny uh so yeah thank you thank you Jeremy our producer as well he's awesome um follow Bucks Dugout on Twitter at Bucks Dugout follow me on Twitter at Nathan underscore Hirsch Follow Jake on Twitter at underscore Radio Jake. That's it, right? Yep, you got that correct. Awesome. Uh, Cody's also on Twitter. You can give him a follow. Might as well throw a follow to everyone. He is at Cody underscore Ponce 
48. So very cool. Very cool stuff. Also, give Jeremy a follow too. Where's Jeremy at? Jeremy. He's in the chat. He's he's giving everybody our tags. There he is. He put his in. There he is. At Jeremy Brenner. So awesome stuff. Thank you. I hope. Uh, any last words, Jake, before we sign off here? Yeah. Thanks to all of you who tuned in today. Thanks to everyone, especially Howard and Garrett, who chimed in, gave their uh, gave their questions to Cody. It was, fun, it was a fun show. Glad to have you guys on. Don't forget, if you guys ever want to get in the conversation with us, we do recaps after every single Pirate series right here on Locker Room. So if you can, join us. And if you got a question about Bucko baseball, hop on. We'll answer them for you. And uh, we hope to see you back here on the Box Dugout Talking the Plank at podcast episode uh, next time out. We hope you guys can join us. Yeah, we'll be back after the dog series. And, uh, yeah, tune in as always. Thank you all and have a great rest of your days. Peace out. Peace.